Chapter One of the Master Girl, a Romance by Ashton Hilliers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Love at First Sight. The younger girls picked fast in fear of the master girl's hard little hand, eating surreptitiously when her eye was off them. They made small progress, for what with the badgers and the birds and the lateness of the season, the wortleberries were getting thin upon that rock. The master girl ran a critical eye over the steep face below them. It was blue with fruit, but dangerous, for the strata dipped and the stuff was soft. She peeped into her pupil's skin wallets and uttered words of counsel, took the biggest satchel and went over the edge. It was finger and toe work and loose in places. She could hear smothered giggling above her as she climbed and knew that the youngsters were indulging but held upon her way. The fruit she had reached was blue-black, dead ripe, and for some reason untouched by the birds for days past. She had never tried this face before. She began to pick. Then, all suddenly, her hands stopped, her eyes fixed, and every muscle grew tense, for, from just below her feet, had sounded a little faint sneeze. Day Yan was sixteen, full woman as her people counted. The biggest, strongest, and bravest of the unmarried lasses of the little moons. She could throw a chert-headed assegai forty strides and make it spin as it flew. She could handle a stone hatchet dexterously, skin cut up and roast. She could rub fire out of two sticks more quickly than any other member of the tribe could use her bone-needle and split sinew to admiration. In fact, she was more than well-grounded in the domestic arts, then practised by woman, and hence the chief and the head-wife of that chief were in no hurry that this household treasure should marry out of the clan, and had set her in permanent charge over the younger children. Dayan was the first governess. When a modern woman is startled, she shrieks, a perfectly useless expenditure of energy, and worse, for the sound and its reaction upon the system of the shrieker prevents her from hearing more. Also, she not uncommonly shuts both eyes to shriek the better. Dayan neither shrieked nor shut her eyes, although thoroughly startled and indeed frightened. Now Dayan was not easily frightened, there were in fact but three or four things which she really feared a wolf in open country a bear or lion in any country and a wife hunter from beyond the ranges this sneeze was the sneeze of a man of a strange man in a neighbourhood and in times in which a stranger was an enemy confessed so the girl held her breath tightly and remained perfectly rigid for a few seconds strung for such activities of flight as might be possible under the circumstances. Nothing happened, her presence was plainly unsuspected, and now the woman nature in her proved itself. That small muffled sneeze excited in her bosom a vehement curiosity. Her duty, her safety, the safety of the brats committed to her guardianship, depended upon a silent and prompt retreat but she must needs first see this man who had sneezed. With infinite precaution she lowered herself to a ledge a few feet beneath her, crawled, leaned, and peeped. 
farther and yet farther she craned for a view, and there he was. She found herself overlooking the brow of a cave, a fissure in the limestone, and there, at the cave's mouth, sat her enemy. One steady, all-embracing glance assured the girl that this interloper was not of her clan, nor of its allies. The stone axe beside him was plumed with crimson feathers, the wings of a wall-creeper. Its owner must needs be a sun-disc man, an enemy from the other side of the mountains, and one who was presumably hunting herself. What should she do? Another girl would have crept stealthily away up the cliff. Another girl would already have been in full flight, and would have run shrieking to camp. Then the braves would have turned out and found nothing, and that girl would have been beaten for crying wolf. Dayan did not relish being beaten. She knew all about it. If she had to run any risks, these should not include that risk. She knew herself as strong as some men, and as clever as most. In her heart of hearts, she was somewhat jealous of men. She would have liked enormously to have been a man and a chief. Moreover, she had been for some time in silent rebellion against her lot. She was well aware that by right and usage she should have been sold in marriage any time within the past two years. An old maid was an unknown creature among her people. Savages do not appreciate the utility of old maids any more than does our working class today. Nothing but the covetousness of the old chief stood between this girl and a husband of one of the allied totems. She was too useful to part with at any price which her suitors could pay. Dayan knew all this. There is not much that a savage woman aged sixteen does not know which concerns herself. There is nothing which answers to false modesty in your savage. Hence Dayan was as discontented as a young person is likely to be whose future is blocked. The girl panted for a larger life than she was enjoying. She wanted to score, but being only a woman, she was never allowed an innings. She knew, by fair trial, that she had the legs of any young brave in her tribe, that she was a far better climber than most, and could handle a man's weapons as well as any lad of her age. Yet, when there was anything to be done with an axe or assegai, it was their call, while she must be stitching a caross or gathering sticks. The unfairness of it! And there had been no war in their country for some years, nor any chance for her to prove her capacity and courage in emergency. Here was her chance, here, just beneath her feet. "'Twas now or never. She would kill this woman-hunter and take his scalp back to camp. It would be a glorious feat. The women would be jealous, no doubt, and so might the younger men. But someone would make a song about it, and her name would be remembered. That would be something that would comfort her, when, after a few brief years of overwork and childbearing, she was no longer supple and swift, and had shrivelled into a blear-eyed, haggard old squaw of thirty-five, bullied and bidden about by her own sons. And it was really quite easy. As the villain sat there exactly below her, he was so utterly in her hand, one smashing downcast, and her hatchet would be in his brain, and, well, it would spoil the scalp. 
was there no other way she would peep again he had not changed his position from signs she could see that he had not changed it for days his left foot fell inwards unpleasantly it was broken above the ankle the man was starving to death water he did not want for a trickle oozed near him then Dayan understood why the wattleberries upon that cliff face had ripened untouched then the alternative occurred to her the custom of the country considered it sound practice that an enemy taken alive should be tortured before being eaten the girl knew this as a matter of course just as a modern duchess knows that a garotta is whipped and a murderer hanged by the neck nor is broken of her sleep by the knowledge Dayan had listened with horrified interest to the talk of old women who professed to have watched the process out or nearly out immemorial custom sanctioned a woman's presence at the salutary spectacle the girl was no more responsible for the usages and customs of her people than a saint louis bell is responsible for lynching so there remained the alternative a dreadfully thrilling catch you by the throat alternative of giving this wife hunter over to the tribe she played with the idea for a moment women think quickly then she acted as women act upon impulse she would have a good look at the wretch first would have her fill of jibing at him teasing him terrifying him if that were possible at least she would tell this outlander who had come for her proposing as she knew to knock her over the head in the dusk at the dipping hole down by the river and drag her off half stunned to be his trophy and slave for the term of her natural life she would tell this raider i say in good set terms precisely what was in store for him and see how he took it she peered and dropped a pebble he looked up and albeit neither knew it her business and his too was done incidentally the fates of countless millions of humans were spun by that brief passage of eyes the horoscopes of empires were cast then and there there and then was delimitated the eastern frontier of old rome the parthian march which the legion was never to cross the issue of senlac was decided agincourt and crecy were lost and won the seated man below leaned slowly back and turned his face up it was the handsomest face the girl had ever seen he wasn't at all what she had fancied not by any means a brute but quite young and and nice you there said the man quite naturally Dayan, studying his face did not answer come down and talk to me i shall not eat you he smiled wearily the girl pouted this was putting the moccasin upon the wrong foot and then the bush she was holding by parted without warning she snatched but failed in getting hold snatched again at sliding rock and stone saw firmaments of constellations and went to sleep a few minutes later not more she awoke with a wet face someone was dabbing her sore head with water who where she opened her eyes the hunter his own head bleeding from a fallen stone was holding a sponge of wet moss to hers she struggled up dizzily 
and sat within his reach for the sill of the cave was narrow and the face beneath it fell steeply there was no escape for her if he was still strong enough to strike she thought for a moment that he had struck for she was running red she was sitting in a red puddle but it was whortleberry juice her wallet had partially broken her fall i shan't eat you he repeated nature had been pressing him to experiment he had got so far as to finger his knife why she asked stupidly thinking aloud one of her little moon braves in similar circumstances would have regarded the tumble of an enemy woman as a sheer food gift from the god of the hills sun men don't eat girls he was saying now you are well again what will you do i don't know said dayan he was not only very very beautiful but incredibly gentle wholly quite absolutely different from the young braves of her clan who had been making eyes at her and whom the old chief had warned off pongu lo ma and gaolu rough boastful fellows whom she had known and played with as boys on an equality but who since their midnight initiations had seen fit to treat her as the dirt under their noble masculine feet run away now if you feel strong again said the man quite gently and seemed to mean it run and fetch your braves i'm tired of sitting here he looked dead tired and oh so thin they will take my scalp and eat me you little moons are not nice feeders they will roast you first alive said dayan very low and covered her mouth with her hand the unpleasantness of the practice coming home to her for the first time yes i know tis my risk i took it but unless they come quickly i shall be dead first his words came slowly he leaned back and fainted dayan looked him over as he lay and was conscious that new and strangely pleasant and unnamed feelings were moving within her she no longer feared this man he had given her a horrid fright but that was over and had left no after-effects savages are insensible to what doctors call shock nor did she hate him as she had thought she hated all sundisk men and had been prepared to hate this one until he had turned his face up to her and spoken gently the girl's wallet lay where it had fallen disgorging crushed berries and disclosing a certain ration of jerked meat which she had brought with her for the day an extraordinary and wholly irrational desire suddenly possessed her to capture and tame this man he promised to be nice in another sense than the gastronomical she really was pitying him but of this she was unaware for pity was an emotion unknown to the little moons who had no equivalent for the word in their speech having bathed his head in her turn and brought him round the girl fed her man with bits of meat and presently found him stronger it was not that the food was assimilated it would be an hour before it passed out of the stomach and was picked up and distributed but the nerve sent word along that help had arrived and the system responded sympathetically he looked better more beautiful than any man had ever looked to dayan besides he was her discovery her capture no one else man or woman should share her possession he was her very own 
here came into play the sense of property but behind it gratitude awoke a very rare growth in paleolithic times as rare as pity she sat thinking hand to mouth her man still slowly eating restraining his ravenousness enjoying the food as he had never enjoyed food in his life of seventeen years or so what was to do next a shrill cry from above brought on the crisis the children had missed her and were growing anxious if one of those youngsters caught a glimpse had the faintest inkling she would lose her treasure necessity was upon her she must act and act decisively swiftly shovelling with both hands the rest of her day's food from the bottom of the wallet into the lap of the man she whispered quick and low more to-morrow and began to reclimb the face the boys above saw her coming and grinned roguishly at her slow movements and more at her empty wallet and juice-stained kilt and bleeding head she got her breath before chasing and smacking the biggest then marshalling her little army she kept it hard at work until the sun dipped behind the snows and twas time to be making for camp End of chapter 1